In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Welcome back to another week on the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we could be with practical tools to live your faith in our modern world of today. This week, we have my good friend, Dynamic Deacon, Harold Burke-Sivers. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, George. It's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's great to always have you. And uh, uh, we saw the great, you had a great time in Croatia and uh Eastern Europe, uh, over there. How was that? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Um, there, there were some nice surprises there. For example, um, uh, the, the, the tomb of St. Um, uh, Anastasia, mm -hmm. you know, from, yeah. uh, the Roman canon, uh, Euch or Eucharistic prayer number one, right? Uh, you know, Felicity Perpetua, Lucy Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia. And I'm like, Hey, so uh got to see her tomb, which was which was awesome. Um, you know, Croatia is absolutely beautiful, a lot of wonderful religious heritage there. Um uh, some uh, really wonderful things to see. Um, uh, you know, went to uh Montenegro and then to uh uh Bosnia, Herzegovina, of course, Medjugorje is there, um, and then to Italy, to Venice and to um uh Padua, you know, uh so it was uh wonderful uh, pilgrimage that's absolutely amazing and uh i mean it's it's only i think recently five ten years ago people started to notice croatia as a good destination within europe to visit so that's that's what's absolutely amazing about it it's a beautiful uh, imagery that i've seen online and i'd love to go there but that's uh absolutely amazing and let's get straight into our topic today which is the psalms and meditating using the psalms and it sort of ties into scripture as well. But let's talk about the Psalms. What are the Psalms for those who don't know? And what are their importance? What was their purpose for why they were written? Yeah, so um, I was first used to the Psalms as a 14-year-old uh, freshman in in right or in in uh, in college. Uh, uh, the Nick's uh, prep is a, a by Benedictine monks in the program with all four years of high school. And uh, of course, when you live in the monastery and, and visit, you pray with the monk. And so that was my first introduction to Psalms. And uh, obviously prior to that, the only time I heard the Psalms was at Mass, right? The Psalm in, in, in Mass. When I prayed the Psalms in the monastery, the immediate connection, my soul, I mean, I felt them deeply. You know, it felt like God was speaking to me personally. 
And I've been praying them ever since. And the Psalms are over 2,000 years old. And uh, they, they're, they're uh, in Hebrew, it's called the Sefer Telechim, or the Book of Sung Praises. It's basically the hymnal, you know, for the for the Jewish uh, for Jewish worship. Um, uh, of course, the, the Psalms are in the Old Testament. They're part part of the wisdom books. Um, and uh, and and really, what the Psalms are is a foreshadowing of the fullness of, uh, of of time that would come in Jesus Christ. So the Psalms point toward Jesus Christ. Like St. Augustine said, Christ is uh, concealed in the old and revealed in the new. And uh, for example, some Psalm, Psalm 22, for example, you know, that's the one that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Christ was paying from the cross. Um, Psalm 88, which uh, traditionally, uh, that's the prayer that Jesus would have prayed in the cistern on Holy Thursday, um, before he was uh, brought before Pilate and scourged and crucified on Good Friday, yeah. but where he stayed Holy Thursday night, he would have prayed this psalm. In fact, when you visit that place in the Holy Land, there's a book of Psalms in in that um, in that cistern in, in all different languages, and you and you get a chance to pray Psalm 88 with all the pilgrims while you're there. It's very powerful. And of course, Psalm 110 which is another messianic psalm of fulfillment where David writes that the Messiah is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, right? And Melchizedek shows up in Genesis chapter 14. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's uh, so the, the Psalms are just uh, uh, absolutely uh, amazing. There's 150 of them. Um, and the word Psalm actually comes from the Greek word, uh, Samoi, which means songs uh, to be sung on a lyre. Right. So the Psalms are meant to be sung. You know, I wow. a lot of people often recite the Psalms, which is fine, but they're really meant to be sung. And, and when you sing something, it really does something to, uh, about raising your mind and your heart to God. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, because you hear the liar all the time. For those who don't know, what is a liar? Uh, yeah, a liar um, is one of the instruments that they used. Uh, when they when they sung the psalms, there's, there's a number of different instruments. In fact, some of them are um, uh, written in the what's called the prescript. So um, some psalms have uh, headers or, or what's called a prescript, which gives an instruction or it talks about which uh, member of the um, uh, member of the musical guild was supposed to to write that psalm. It talks it talks about historical context. Some of the prescripts um also talk about what instrument is supposed to be used right yep. so one of the main instruments was a lyre and a harp everybody knows what a harp is right um and, and although there's uh, uh another instrument that david used which would have been a lap harp because you know those harps are huge you know uh massive instruments that's often bigger than the actual player but um there was another instrument that was used that's was that's called a, a, a lap harp. And um uh David would have used uh that when he was uh um singing the Psalms. Uh and a and uh a lyre is a kind of string instrument like a not a guitar or ukulele same family. Yes, and 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 really, and what was the context that they were written in? Because it seems to be very poetic. 
I mean, when you read it, I mean, yeah. the sequences and everything there. Yes. So the the um the Psalms really help you to that's the whole idea, draw you in more to meditate and reflect God and, and how God works in life. You know, one thing I love about the Psalms is every felt, every feeling I've had, um, I've uh, uh prayed it in the Psalms. And not in my in my fifties and I re reflect back when I first started this psalm when I was a teenager, you know, effect be different now. I've been praying the same to the 50 Psalms for 40 years, you know, and, and part of them, you know, they always speak to you. If there's something in your life, there's a Psalm that speaks to that. Um, and, and so I look short how I've grown spiritually, intellectually over the years, and the Psalms have grown with me. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. And um, there's types of Psalms. There's Psalms of Thanksgiving. It's like Psalm 34, Psalm 92. Um, they're called Hallel Psalms or Praise Psalms. That's where we get the word Hallelujah from. It's Hallel in Hebrew means praise. Like 13 to Psalm 18 and also Psalm 135. And there's Deutero Hallel Psalms, which is Psalm 145 to 150. And these Psalms are just about praise and worship and glory and honor to God. And there's also Psalms of Suffering. Mm -hmm. Psalm 22, yeah. Psalm 31, Psalm 90, right? The Again, that speaks to the human condition. We all suffer or we're all going to suffer. That's just a part of life. And the Psalms speak to the depths of the human experience. Um, and, and what's also interesting about the Psalms is that they're not all addressed to God, right? There's um, Psalms that addresses the people of Israel. Like when, when it's recalling salvation history, for example, Psalm 105, which is a very long psalm, um, it, it talks about the history of salvation, how God brought the people out of Egypt and how he fed them with manna from the desert and the trials that they experienced in the desert and all of that. So, um, you know, it's uh, so, so some psalms are in historical context. Some psalms are written to Israel's enemies, like Psalm 2 or Psalm 137. You know, Psalm 137 talks about the Babylonian You know, there in Babylon, we sat and wept, you know, playing. Our, you know, our harps were hanging on the trees. Our enemies said, play play one of Zion's songs for us. They said, how can we play the song of the Lord on alien soul? You know, so, you know, angst of exile is expressed in the Psalms. Um, uh, there's also what's called Gayon. Uh, uh, lament. Go through the Psalms. There's suffering. It's also it. It's sort of like a complaint book, you know, where people are just putting down <laughs> how they're feeling. You know, they're complaining about you know getting invaded. Uh, their soul is weary. <laughs> uh, the uh, joy. You know, it's it's sort of as if it's the human emotion with its relationship with God. Could we see it that way? I mean, that's. When I read it, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the Psalms speak to the very depths of the human experience. You know, um, the Psalms of Thanksgiving, Psalms of Living Rightly, you know, um, Psalms of Forgiveness, Psalms of Mercy, Psalms of Compassion, Psalms of Confidence, uh, like I said, historical Psalms, um, you know, uh, and 
And what's beautiful about the Psalms too is when we're praying the Psalms, the Psalms is the other form of the public prayer of the church. So the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is the public prayer of the church. And so are uh, when you pray the Psalms, the Liturgy of the Hours. When you, when you pray uh, the Psalms in that way, it's not your private prayer. You know, it's it's the public prayer of the church you're praying on behalf of the whole church, which we do as priests and deacons uh, when we when be uh, when we're ordained. You know, um, and so like like you you said, uh, the Psalms are just um, really speak to the depths of the heart, and uh, and and really draw us into deeper intimacy with the Lord. You know, um, for example, so other Psalms, for example, like how, how like, like some of them, most of them written by David. Right. But there's um, other people that write the Psalms, too. So what happened there? So David directed the chief Levites. Remember, because the Levites were the 13th tribe. Right. They weren't really one of the official 12 tribes of Israel. They were a 13th tribe that was uh, appointed to serve the ministerial and priestly needs of the other 12 tribes. And so David directed the chief Levites to appoint men to serve as superintendents of the musical guild of the Jewish temple. And so these were people like David would write a psalm and he would hand it over. And these um, writers from the musical guild will put music to it. Or sometimes they would write psalms, some of the psalms themselves and put music to it. Um, sometimes other writers like Psalm, like Jedithan. Jedithan means lauder or praiser in Hebrew. And um, Psalms 39, 62, and 77 are attributed to Jedithan. So it may say, well, this song was by the sons of Korah, but, you know, uh, but the music was written by Jedithan. You know, so you have collaborations going on with the Psalms as well. Um, And and so some of the main writers, you have Asaph. Um, Asaph means gather in Hebrew. Um, You have the sons of Korah. And that's an interesting one because Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron. In uh, Numbers chapter 16, it says that the ground opened and Korah and his entire family went down alive to Sheol. Uh-huh. It says the followers of Korah were um, uh, swallowed up by fire from heaven. And the only ones to survive were the sons of Korah in Numbers chapter 26, verse 11. And, um, and, and they went on to become the musicians of the musical guild. And the sons of Korah not only were musicians, but they also were the caretakers and custodians of the uh, sacred vessels and vestments that were yeah. used in the worship of God. Yeah. You know, very interesting. And you have sort the Ezra sort of like the acolytes yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they're, they're very talented. So yeah. it'd be like, they were acolytes. They were also in the choir, you know, yeah. so, uh, really talented guys, you know, and there's a Psalm attributed to Moses there's a Psalms attributed to Solomon, David's son, Psalms uh, 127 and 72. Are attributed to him, and if someone wants to look at the list of all of most of those writers of the Psalms and or the musicians, it's First Chronicles fifteen, uh, First Chronicles fifteen sixteen to twenty two, um, where they can find the list of the the full uh, authors or musicians uh, associated with the Psalms. It's just absolutely fantastic. There's so much variety there in the Psalms, and how. Who was the author and how did it come to be written? Uh, I often wonder, were there many authors of the Psalms or different contributors that uh, put down their experiences? Uh, how yeah, did so, Deacon? Yeah, so the Psalms were composed 
so, well, no, they don't have exact dates, of course, but somewhere around 1000 BC and were completed around the second century BC. So it's written over a period of almost 800 years. Um, again, David, uh, the greatest king in the history of Israel was uh, most of the Psalms, more than half of the Psalms were written by him. And the Psalms are broken up into five books. Um, uh, and, and it's supposed to mimic the, the, the Torah, the five books of the of the uh, Pentateuch, right? So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the Psalms are broken up into five books. So you have Psalms 1 to 41, Psalms 42 to 72, Psalms 73 to 89, 90 to 106, and 107 to 150. And they, the only author that has Psalms in every single one of those five books is David, right? So, uh, and, and there are Psalms, for example, um, it says this Psalm is a michtam, michtam. Now, we don't know what those words mean um, back at the time that they were used for the Psalms. So, for example, michtam means thing that covers. Uh -huh. But when you look at it in the context of the Psalm, in the prescript, it doesn't really make any sense. That's like, and, and Miktam Psalms are only attributed to David. So this yeah. is a Miktam of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Well, yes. Miktam means thing that covers. So how, what does that have to do with David being in the desert? Right. So we, we uh, so there's words like that. We just don't know what they mean. Um, maskil. Um, uh, this, this is certain Psalms say they're maskil. Maskil means enlightenment. Um, but again, does that mean that it's a Psalm that was supposed to enlighten you? Uh, we just don't know what, what those words meant back then. Uh, but like I mentioned, some of the other authors of the Psalms, right? So there was Asaph, there were the sons of Korah, there was Jedithin, there were the Ezraites. So the Ezraites were a clan within the tribe of Levi. And there was Haman and Ethan, Ethan or Ethan or Nathan is what we would say today. Um, and those were the two main authors. There was also, like I said, Solomon, Moses wrote Psalm 90. You know, so yeah, um, uh, so again, and they were composed over a period of almost 800 years. So some were written, obviously, during the time of David, some, and, and many were written after the time of David as well. So the, the composition of the Psalms would have been something like Moses writing a bunch of things down of how he was feeling uh, in his connection to God, other people's misery, other people's joy. And then it would have been collected or compiled uh, over that period of time. Is that how it would have been? Uh, it would have come to be, and then it was collected and put in. Or yeah. So so what was happening is that remember um, they were offering sacrifices in the morning and in the evening. Okay, so they would sacrifice to God twice a day, and during these sacrifices. Uh, they would, uh, the Levites would, of course, with the priestly tribe, they would lead the and lead the sacrifices. Um, but they would also singing, right? Psalm 18 says, Seven times it will praise you. Um, it, it also says, that At midnight, I will thank you for your justice. And this, the um, the Psalms were uh, very much and a very important part of the prayer life of the Jews, particularly when they offered sacrifice. Also, Psalms was called gravel Psalms or Songs of Ascents, uh, Psalm 20 to 134. Those were Psalms that were sung by worshipers as they ascended the road to Jerusalem. They were supposed to do the pilgrimage every year. 
mm-hmm. least one pilgrimage a year. So for the feast of uh, uh, unleavened bread, yeah, uh, uh, or the feast Passover, uh, the Pentecost, which is also called the feast or the feast of tabernacles, the feast of booths. Yeah, as you're going to Jerusalem, as you're journeying toward the temple of Jerusalem, you'll be singing uh, psalms. Right. And, and, and typically, what they, again, Psalms, um, uh, uh, the 20 to 134, you would be singing those Psalms on your way to Jerusalem. Um, uh, and at the end of each of the um, books of the Psalm, so Psalm 41, Psalm 72, Psalm 89, Psalm 150, they have doxology. Is at the end of them, you know, like at the end of the Our Father, right? Uh, or at the yeah, Eucharistic doxology. prayer, glory be to the Father and to the Son. So there's doxologies at the end of each of the book of the Psalms, punctuates the end of the of, of Psalms. Uh, and Psalm 150 is kind of the that itself is a doxology, the entire book of Psalms, you know. So it's just really wonderful, to, of course. Um, the Jews them frequently, but then we st- we them as well in Christians. In you know, when we first started the first the Psalms were were always integrated um, into in uh, and if you see Anthony in the desert, you know, uh, yeah. right Anthony in the middle right. of the third century, yeah, began to, to pray the Psalms uh, in, in the desert, and then we see a development Saint Benedict. Um, Structuring the Psalms for for the monk, you know the Psalms always played a very very important part in the life of the church. What's so beautiful about the Psalms is the variety. There's there's something for everybody. There's something about you know the the waves of experience in the in the in your spiritual life that different people are experiencing, and it's a great way to pray with them and make them our own. But Deacon, let's go into some three practical tools. How can we take action? Use this as a tool to strengthen our prayer life. Uh, using the Psalms, using the book of Psalms, the entire 150 Psalms, how can we take action in that area and help to strengthen our spiritual life using them? Yeah, so uh, I'd say, so when you're going to the, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, um, when it's time for the responsorial song, pay attention to that. You know, as the song is being sung or being recited, there's no anything just really listen to that psalm and say how are you speaking to me right now how are you speaking to my heart how are you speaking to my life right now in the mass how is this psalm preparing me to receive you not only in the eucharist but in your word? how do i take your word your word life more deeply into my heart you know how does how does this psalm need to do that how is this psalm into my life experience that i'm through right now you know, and I would be very surprised how much uh, the Psalms affect personally are for you. That would be the first thing. So really pay attention at Mass to the Rosponsoro Psalm. Don't just let it pass by, but really focus on it. And, and second, you know, when you're praying the Psalms outside of Mass, uh, get get yourself a book of the Psalms. You can either get a Bible or I have a, a book. Um, it's just the, the, the Psalms here, just a book with just the Psalms in it. And take time to memorize your favorite Psalms. You know, yeah. um, like I, I love Psalm 63. That's the one I pray before adoration all the time. Oh God, you are my God. 
For you I long, for you my soul is thirsting, for you my flesh is pining, my body pines for you like a dry, weary land without water. So I gaze upon you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory, for your love is better than life. Like, what? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. You know, and I and I pray that in adoration, right? Because remember, these psalms were written a, a thousand uh, to over two thousand years ago. But it talks about I gaze upon you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. Now, how could you not think about adoration when you're praying that psalm, right? So that that's what I'm talking about. Let the psalm speak to you. So memorize the second thing is memorize, you know, maybe a, a few of your favorite psalms and let them speak to you. You know, pray. Pray them slowly uh, uh, and prayerfully. Um, and, and when you come to a particular psalm that just hits you, just stop and just rest in the word. Just allow, you know, just maybe pray that that verse of that psalm again and just let God speak to you. Just rest in the word. You know, don't, don't be afraid to do that. And, and then finally, um, uh, the last thing I would say, is the, I think the Psalms, the fun, one of the fun Psalms is to reveal God um, as the treasure we love because why? He first loved us. So the Psalms are really part of a love relationship with God. They really speak to the, the exchange of love and life and intimacy and communion that God wants so desperately with us, you know, and the Psalms help us to enter into that. So uh, when you're, when you're, um, meditating or praying on the Psalms, find some place for silence, you know, really allow the Psalms to foster silence in your life. Uh, we can uh, listen more attentively and more deeply to God's voice speaking to you. Um, and that's where you're going to find the peace that your heart is longing for. That's the peace that's beyond all understanding, you know, uh, on, on this side of heaven that Jesus is talking about. Of course, the ultimate peace is being with God forever in heaven. Uh, but on earth, the Psalms help us draw into that life. It's like a bridge between the 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 uh, the supernatural and the uh, the natural world, you know. Um, sacraments, right? It's the bridge between the temporal and the transcendent, right? Is these is earthly bread and wine yeah. that becomes the body, blood, and divinity of Jesus. Yeah. So the Psalms, even though they're written by earthly authors draw us deeply into the life, into the heart of God. So uh, that would definitely be my advice. And it's, it's absolutely profound how you can use it, just, the, just that wisdom that's there and we've been praying it. But also I wanted to mention the divine office, the liturgy of the hours takes you through the Psalms. A lot of it is the Psalms that people go through. And it's absolutely beautiful, the, the Psalms there. And I'm sure you recommend to take up the divine office. I mean, Second Vatican Council obviously calls all clergy religious and and encourages the laity to take up the divine office. I mean, that, that can be an amazing tool that we can take up today. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, uh, the the Santa Concilium, which is the second uh, Vatican document on the liturgy, talks about parishes should have at least a Vesper service, right? Where the people of God are coming together on Sunday evening and praying uh, Vespers or evening prayer, 
praying the, the liturgy of the hours with the Psalms together as a parish family, as a, as a, as a, a, a parish family of faith. And I, we have a, a parish in Portland that does that. Um, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So yes, definitely uh, consider the liturgy of the hours as well, which is basically a liturgy of the word service, right? Uh, it, 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 when you pray through it, it's almost like the first part of mass. You know, there's there's um, prayers, there's psalms, there's readings, there's responses, there's intercessions, there's the Our Father, you know. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a little bit of a liturgy of the word service. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take that long to pray morning prayer or evening prayer, probably 20 minutes or so. Um, and it's a, a really, and, and what does Psalms do? They help sanctify the day. That's what St. Benedict did in his rule. The Psalms are spread out. So you pray the Psalms when you got up, you pray the Psalms in mid-morning, noon, mid-afternoon, evening, and then at night before you go to bed. The idea is to sanctify the day, to to to, uh, to, glor to glorify God all throughout exactly. the day. So that you know, to make the day holy. Praying. Yeah, that's absolutely exactly. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about your upcoming tour. Um, you're about to get on a flight <laughs> down under and uh, reach our shores in Australia. You'll be back very shortly. So um, organized by Perusia Media as usual, uh, the Ignite Bible Study Australian Tour, the Ignite Bible Study 2023. It's very shortly uh, between the 8th of July to the 23rd featuring uh, Sandra Corbett and Deacon Harold, you here. So Deacon Harold will be hitting our shores. Um, uh, why don't you take us through the, the, the bit of the tour? <laughs> I know you have a lot lined okay. up. There's a lot lined up. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to be crazy busy. I mean, I'm I'm going to be gone. I think a total of twenty. You know, well, with with uh, you you lose a day coming over right so um so somewhere around uh, 19 days and i'm giving close to 50 talks in 19 days so wow. i'm starting off in new zealand mm -hmm. i'm going to be speaking in the archdiocese of auckland and i'm going to be doing a number i'm giving i think 10 talks and a couple of interviews there over four days and then i fly to papua new guinea mm -hmm. and i'm giving a, a series of uh talks there i'm going to be talking to actually very interesting george to um par members of parliament yeah i'm going to be speaking to government officials i'm going to be uh, and uh catholic professionals uh is the first group i'm speaking to and then i'm going to speak to uh clergy and religious and then uh that so i'm uh both of those are going to one's going to be in the morning the other one's going to be in the afternoon then the next day i'm doing a youth rally you know, uh, they're expecting about 10,000 youth to show up to this youth rally. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. And then on my last full day in uh, Papua New Guinea, I'm going to be speaking. It's a general talk for everybody. So I'm going to be yeah. talking uh, on apologetics and evangelization. And um, and and evidently, you know, when, from when I told the papal nuncio uh, is going to be there, the bishop's conference is going to be there. So. Uh, very exciting. And then I go from there. I'm going to be doing uh, some talks in Brisbane. Yeah. And then I fly from Brisbane to Melbourne yeah. and then finish up everything in Sydney. Beautiful. And we'll see you in Sydney. You got a, a series of talks and uh, a great announcement. Finally, The Art of Practical Catholicism, number two. My book, The Art of Practical Catholicism, number two, uh, with the forward written by yourself, Deacon. Thank you for the forward. 
And uh, we're really, really excited to launch this. Perusia Press is really excited to launch. Um, and I'm very excited uh, to launch this book. So I just want to thank you for uh, all your support and everything here to release it. Yeah, you're, you're most welcome. It's a great book. And uh, people are going to really enjoy it. And uh, um, and I, I strongly recommend everybody get the book because it'll really help you uh, to not only think deeply and seriously about your faith, but how to effectively share it with others. That is so important. You know, uh, the faith is a treasure that we can't keep to ourselves. And I think we're our best selves as Catholics when we give ourselves away, right? It, 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 we make a gift of ourselves. That's when we were at our best as Catholics. And and uh, the art of practical Catholicism too uh, helps Catholics to really do that in a powerful way. I mean, and uh, so we'll be launching this from uh, Perusia headquarters in Marymount on the 20th of July. That is actually in two weeks, 20th of July at 6.30 p.m. Uh, dinner and refreshments will be provided. This is an event uh, to launch the book for the Art of Practical Catholicism number two in the series. Um, I started off um, just in COVID with Art of Practical Catholicism number one and and now number two. So we're really excited for that, Deacon, to have you back here as always um, in Sydney. And and what are you excited most about for for your upcoming tour? Don't worry about everybody else, Sydney. <laughs> I hear for Sydney, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I I I've received tremendous hospitality there. Yeah. The people have been absolutely amazing. You know, such a, a, a beautiful, warm reception. I think uh, I'm giving some uh, some talks that are that are new. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, uh, and plus the, this wonderful tour with Sonia. You know, Sonia and I wrote a book together um, called "The Ignite." Uh, it's called "Ignite: Read the Bible Like Never Before." And so, being able to come to Australia with Sonia to share the wisdom of how you can enter more deeply into Scripture to make the Word of God. Um, uh, a, a much more practical reality in your life to really not just see the Bible as a book, but yeah. to see it as a vehicle for deepening intimacy with the Lord. Yeah. You know, so I'm ex- we're excited to share our, our insights um, into the scriptures with everyone there in Sydney. Yeah. And we're really excited to have you and uh, you really are a dynamic deacon, you know, the way you speak. <laughs> you really are dynamic. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm just trying to just trying to be faithful to the Lord, man. So yeah, thank you, George. Exactly. So we're really excited to launch the Art of Practical Catholicism number two. I really am looking forward to seeing you there at the event at Merrimount. The details will be up uh, on Perusia Media website very shortly. Uh, by tomorrow, um, uh, they, they may already be up, but go to Perusia Media. It's part of the. Uh, Ignite Bible Study Australia Tour with Sonja Corbett. Uh, Sonja Corbett, <laughs> if I said it correctly. And Deacon ha- uh, Yes, Sonia. Sonia Corbett. Yeah, yeah Sonia. You don't say the J. Yeah. Uh, you don't say the J. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just butcher everything. I, I don't even bother. With, <laughs> I, I don't even bother with French. <laughs> My French is terrible and <laughs> I butcher the French. <laughs> so don't take me to France um uh, so so th- that's a tour yeah that's uh and you can yeah go straight to perusia website all the details are there and we will see you there on the 20th of july at 6 30 p.m at perusia headquarters so deacon 
what's your final advice for us to take action before you come over here down south? Well, I, I would definitely ask people to pray uh, for us and to pray for this tour and to pray um, that uh, souls will be brought more, uh, will be brought closer to Christ, that people who are away from the church will uh, reawaken their faith and come back to the fullness of the truth, um, that people will seek out the sacrament of reconciliation, especially if they haven't gone for a long time, to return uh, to a reception of God's merciful love in that beautiful sacrament, and to really become on fire with the love of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. so that we can really begin to transform this culture and our world. Exactly. Thank you so much for being with me, Deacon. And we will see you shortly in Sydney and in Australia. So thank you for tuning with, with me here on the Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. Until next week, God bless, take care, and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our model world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.